like and as I said people from the outside looking in at me would have said I had the perfect life but I was really really struggling inside and I was literally down to a lack of, of vulnerability You're listening to the Be Human Podcast, where we break down what it means to be human. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, and share. Hello, you're listening to the Be Human Podcast with myself, Brianna, and we have a very special guest uh, in the room today, Kelly. Um, She is a personal trainer based out of Wicklow, right? Wicklow? The Wicklow Mountains? Yeah. Yeah, got it. Lovely. Uh, and she, how it came about that where Kelly's talking on the show today is she had actually reached out to me on Instagram. Uh, she listened to a podcast that I'd done and she asked me to be on hers. And just looking at Kelly's Instagram, it really, really resonated with me because she's just vulnerable and real. She's honest about, um, you know, the ups and downs of life. And I think it's critical in today's environment to be open like that and, and to share our experiences and to help others learn from it as well. And yeah, great to have you on the show, Kelly. Yeah. Thanks Mill, for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm a personal trainer um, living literally on the side of a mountain in Wicklow. Um, so I do a lot of my work online. Um, I actually recently just packed in the whole one-to-one PT um, kind of end because through uh, lockdown, I just got so many clients that I'm now fully booked for like months. So it's all online from now from now on. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back a little bit, kind of my backstory, I was a teacher for eight years. I actually trained to be a neuroscientist, got qualified. And then I came home one day and I was like to my parents, yeah, I'm going into teaching. And they're like, OK, Kelly, we've just wasted all of our money putting you through college to tell us you're going to be a teacher. So, <laughs> so anyway, I was teaching for about, yeah, about eight years and I did like it, like, especially at the beginning, I really enjoyed it. But as the years went on, I kind of was like, uh, not loving this anymore. And I always had an interest in fitness in the back of my mind. So I re-educated, came back to the parents and said, I'm going to be a personal trainer and the same reaction <laughs> what the hell are you doing just like get out get, <laughs> <Yeah>. get out Kelly <laughs> yeah so that's where I am at the moment but um loving it and really like the, the business has taken off I, I it's crazy it's crazy okay uh, so neuroscientists that's like studying the brain and psychology and all of that like really really interesting stuff has that helped being a benefit in your personal training business what you learned from back in the day definitely because it was it was not the psychology end that I did it was the all like biology and physiology the that end so going into personal training it helped me loads and I was a biology and science teacher in secondary school so I just I've taken all that with me and I'm really interested in like the biomechanics of the body and stuff so yeah definitely taking all that through actually funny you asked that question because I was having a chat to my two brothers the other day and they they were saying, um, do you think like, or do you regret, you know, going to college for eight years? Do you regret teaching? And I was like, no, I I don't have regrets. Like I wouldn't Mm. actually be the way I am now if I didn't do all that. Yeah. I think, I think it's really, when, whenever I think about that or whenever I have that moment, those moments of like, God, I wish I just like got 
to where I am now faster and didn't go through that. So I progressed quicker. I always think, well, like I probably wouldn't have met Alexa. I probably wouldn't be in California. I wouldn't be as happy as I am now. So I think all of our experiences in life, you know, get us to get us to a point where we ultimately will be happier, whether we realize it when we're going through it or not. Uh, and I suppose that does bring us to the the kind of the topic of the conversation today. And and obviously, you know, we 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 want like we want to sh- people to share their stories about what they've gone through, the struggles and the challenges exper- they've experienced. And I know you've gone through some some pretty traumatic experiences as well in the past. And yeah, maybe maybe you could share with some of the listeners today, you know, that that experience that you went through uh, in your past as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um. So growing up, I had a pretty normal, average life. Um, I'm one of six, just normal kind of. Um, we lived in actually in Dublin in the city growing up, but then my parents moved us to Wicklow when I was seven, I think, just for a better quality of life. Um, but yeah, you know, played sports, went to school, everything was normal. Um, at about 17 years old, I had my first boyfriend, thought I was in love. That lasted about three months. You know, um, was heartbroken when that ended and then went back to normal. Then at 18 years of age, I met a guy and we started going out and we were together about a year. So it was pretty serious, like especially 18 year old, quite young. And he was just such an amazing amazing guy he was quite open and honest and vulnerable with me at least um he got on so well with all my family my brother Stephen looked up to him like a um an older brother I suppose I'm, I'm the eldest so I have all younger siblings um and yeah everything was was brilliant and um, I thought everything was fine um and we would be in contact like every day and um, we obviously didn't live together but we were always in touch and uh, I was chatting to him one night and he seemed really off um because he was just so like he, he always tried to please me he was always just trying to do anything you know to make me happy and he was just really off uh, on the phone call one night and I felt it was really strange so I went to bed anyway and I woke up the next morning um, and I was kind of like was odd but anyway we'll get over it and I went on about my day and I, uh, I'll never forget that day my mom asked me to drop a family friend from like my house to an hour away and and I was driving and it was about 12 o'clock I'd say and I still hadn't heard from him from him and that in itself was really strange because you know young love you text first thing in the morning last thing at night and I just kind of went about, you know, dropping this lady home, got back to my house and I was like, no, there's there's something not right here. And so I text him and, you know, I don't know any young females out there. If you're in a relationship, you're like, I'm not texting first. But anyway, I succumbed. I I text him and I, I don't even know what I said. It's just like, are you okay? And I didn't get a message back and for about an hour. And I was like, okay, this there's definitely something wrong. So. I got into my car and I drove to his house and I knocked on the door, went in and I said to his mom, have you seen him? And she said, not in the last couple of hours. Um, He was here earlier. So I don't know. So the layout of that house is that you walk in the front door to the right was his bedroom to the left you go into the sitting room so I don't know what came over me but I just walked out of the sitting room and as I was about to go out the front door I I just looked up at his door and I saw a belt on the top of the door 
So I ran outside and his window was at the front of the house and I looked in and I saw his mobile phone attached to the, the charger on the bed. And I was like, fuck. Um, so I looked to the left and I saw him there. So ran back into the house, tried to burst down the door and I couldn't burst down the door. I just started screaming and his his sisters came out, his mom came out. They tried to get through the window and in all this t- crazy time, I don't need- I didn't even know what I was doing. I can't remember. I do remember though running to my granny's house because she lived five minutes down the road, actually. And um, I must have rang my parents in this time. But again, it's, it's, it was all a blur. But when I got to my granny's house, um, I just collapsed, collapsed on the floor. And I don't know what happened after that, but my parents came down and picked me up and if your listeners are don't really understand what's going on, he had um, taken his own life. So yeah, I just said to my parents, just take me anywhere. I don't care where you go, but don't stop driving. So after that, the next few weeks, the next um, few months were all quite a blur. Like I don't really remember specifics. Um, I do know I was in college and um, I do know that I was doing anything and everything to try not think about it. I know that might sound really strange uh, to people, like how can you not think about that? But I just kept my mind busy. And to be honest, it, it probably not in the best way. Like I was known as the kind of party party animal in college. And um, because what I was doing now, I realized I, I didn't know back then. Um, but only on reflection do I realize that I was trying um, to keep my mind busy so that I wouldn't have to think about it. So. Um, so yeah, that was that was college. Used drinking as a crutch. Um, I don't know how I got through college. I don't know how I actually qualified. Uh, I actually got good grades as well, which is crazy. Um, but that that was college. Then after that, I suppose I used exercise as a crutch. So I was part of the local rugby team, um, and and anything I did, I suppose from that time to only a couple of years ago anything I did I put everything into and that became an obsession for me um and just because as I mentioned earlier I didn't want um to have any time to think so I became the captain of the rugby team I you know was so involved I elevated our team to all Ireland level just because I was so into it and I just did everything in my power to get us there then after rugby it it, it switched to MMA um, I started training in SBG in Ireland. Uh, I started competing. I started fighting. Um, and only now, looking back on, on those things, do I realize that I did all the, of that to try and prove myself. Um, I was trying to prove to everybody, to anybody, that I was good enough because what what happened or what was going on in the back of my mind was that I was saying, well, he couldn't even stay here for me so I'm clearly not good enough so I was literally just trying to prove myself to anybody um, or to everybody that I, I came in contact with I actually remember um, two years ago I think it was I applied for this um, any of your Irish listeners will know for this show on telly called Hell Week it's like SAS training and stuff um, and I actually got through but I couldn't commit because of work at the time but I'll never forget they do an interview um where they record you and they're literally sitting in front of you with a camera and the guy was like we're having a chat and he said and why do you want to do this 
And I just turned to him and I just said, because I want to prove that I'm good enough. And he was just like, Jesus Christ, that's crazy. Like, you've done so much. Like, I had All-Ireland medals. I had, I was unbeaten in my MMA career. I done all of these crazy things. And he was like, who, like, who are you trying to prove yourself to? And I was like, to everybody. I just, just never, ever felt good enough. That's the kind of traumatic experience uh, that I had. But it, it, it's it's not all bad because, as as we said before we hopped on, that, like, all these things that happen to you, they, they make you who you are today. I, I 100% know that if I hadn't gone through that, um, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Um, I had to deal with it at some point. That, that point came at about 28 or 29 years of age. Um, I thought I was happy. I was happy. I, I met my now wife when I was about 22. So we're together like 10 years. And like we've had the most amazing time together, but I still never dealt with what happened. I, I never spoke to her about him. I never spoke to my family about him. I still hadn't dealt with it. And like, if anyone's listening out there, these traumatic experiences that you might have gone through, like they don't just go away by ignoring them. You have to deal with them. You have to talk to people about it. So um, my mom came to me when I was 28, I think. And she said, Kelly, I know you're in so much pain. And even, even her saying that, I broke down because to the outside world, I was a teacher I was uh, in a long-term successful relationship. I was the captain of the rugby team. I was all of these things, but I was dying inside because I hadn't dealt with that trauma that um, had happened to me 10 years previous. So what happened was my mom had said to me, I know you're in so much pain. Would you please go and speak to somebody? Um, And typical Irish, I was like, no, I'm fine. I don't need to speak to anybody. Um, But she made me promise that I would go to um, a therapist or a counsellor at least once. And if I didn't get anything from it and I was uncomfortable that I didn't have to go again. So I said to her, yeah, I'll do that. Um, And I went, she set up the whole thing. Like I didn't even have to think about it. And I went for my first session and from that point on, um, everything changed. Uh, that's when I started to, um, I use the word, word heal because I still don't think I'm, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to fully accept what happened, but I am in the process of healing and I'm in such a better place um, now. Wow. Kelly, thanks so much for sharing and being vulnerable. Honestly, that's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's it's hard to talk about, but uh it's yeah really impactful honestly i i'm curious kelly so i suppose kind of two questions when you talked about you know like staying busy always being busy to keep your mind distracted you know what would kind of go through your head when in those moments of silence where you couldn't be busy like what was going on and what kind of thoughts were you having and then i suppose second question had like what did your what did your mom see that she just knew that you were in pain that everybody else wasn't really seeing. So, uh, yeah. So the first question was, I was, I, I tried to never be alone. Um, if that makes sense. So I lived in a house full of uh, college friends and I was either watching telly with them or, you know, I was asleep or I was in a class with people. I would never let myself be alone. And if I was alone, I think I mentioned this to you, Kev, um, when we had our chat before this, I actually, like this sounds so crazy, but I actually used study as, as another way to keep my mind occupied. So mm-hmm. let's say I'm sitting there and there's nobody in the house 
Um, and I'm like, okay, I can't be alone. I can't start thinking, I would just open a book and start to study. So maybe that's how I actually passed my exams. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually, like people are like, that, how, why would you do that? Why would you choose to study it? But yeah, it was just a coping mechanism for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just kind of curious, I suppose, from your from your mom's perspective, what was, what was she kind of seeing that other people weren't? Um, yeah, so it's really strange. Like my mom... I kind of feel like she has a sixth sense um, because only a year ago she came over to my house and I was in such a bad humor, but like there was nothing major. And she walked in the door and she's like, she didn't even tell me she was coming over. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, why? And she's like, I just know there's something wrong. Like, I swear to God, I was like, mom, how the hell did you know that I was in such a foul humor? But She's just um, peeking in your window the whole day looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong? What's wrong? Secretly flying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a camera. Yeah, no, but I suppose uh, how she how she knew I was dying, I suppose, on the inside was that like away from all of the sport and the medals and the career, like she would be one of the few people who would see me on my bad days. So like um I, you know, I was so successful in other areas, but I never, ever showed my my vulnerable side to anybody else. I never um, showed weakness because I considered that to be I considered uh, being vulnerable and open um, a sign of weakness. And it's only since um, I started going to see the counselor that I realized that it's it couldn't be further from the truth. Like being open and honest and vulnerable with people is actually a sign of strength. We all know these kind of men and women who are like, oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then it, it leads to a point where they hold everything in so much that they just explode. Like um that's that's what happened to me anyway. Um I think this is the critical thing for people listening to remember is you know you build up in your head all the like I know I do this, everybody does this. It is about if I share my story, people are gonna think I'm a weirdo. They're gonna think I'm a freak. Nobody could be going through what I'm going through and experiencing these feelings. And if I tell anybody, they're going to look at me sideways and think I'm crazy. And never in my life when I was vulnerable and shared what I was actually going through and feeling, did I ever get that reaction? It was the complete opposite. You know, when you are vulnerable and when you're real and you share with people, 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 people love that people because they can relate people. I feel like we're getting kind of almost more and more unrelatable because our lives and social media, what we show on social media is it's, it is, it's bullshit. Like it is bullshit. It's like a complete highlight reel where we only show our best selves. So the people that are vulnerable and saying, you know what, I'm really struggling. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. I went through this experience and it's, it's sticking with me and I, I don't know how to get through it. Those are the people that other people bond with, you know, so I would just say for for anybody listening that is going through something like this, don't be afraid to share. It doesn't have to be obviously on a podcast or on social media, but talk to somebody. That's the big uh, big takeaway I would say on that front. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Um, and in particular, last year I mentioned this before, but I'll just kind of explain it. So last year, I or the year before, I just posted a quick video, uh, quick about fourteen minutes long on Instagram, and um, just kind of going through my experience and stuff. And um, what I, I I 
set myself a task to run um, a marathon by competing the same kilometer 42.2 times and at that time I was training for an Ironman so I was really really fit I knew I could run the marathon distance no bother but I wanted to mentally challenge myself to see if I could lap myself 42 times the same kilometer um, and I was like, yeah, that's mentally really tough. And I started training and I, I done the same kilometer like six times. And I was like, no, nah, that's enough. I'm out of here. But uh, <laughs> so it was a mental challenge and, and we did it and stuff. But my point being that when I posted that video opening up about my struggles and what I went through, I have never, ever in my life got so many texts, so many phone calls off people that I knew, people I didn't know. Like I got probably a thousand no joke messages texts calls um, and they were just saying thank you so much for opening up because it, it may it really makes me feel like that I can I can talk about my my situation or a lot of people were saying I went some through something similar and it's so good to to see that I'm not alone and stuff like this but recently I got a message from a guy on Instagram um, and it was after me and you had did the podcast my podcast gave and I posted it and stuff and he said to me thank you so much Kelly for normalizing um mental health issues and I was just like that word is is so key like we need to normalize this because everybody struggles you know uh, whether it's mental health whether it's physical health financial relationship whatever it is in life nobody not one person in this world goes through life without some sort of struggle um so normalizing that fact is what's going to allow people to, and like you said, Kev, you don't have to, you know, post a video, you don't have to go on a podcast, but sit down with your mother, sit down with somebody and just tell them how you're feeling. Oh, I think you nailed it, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, even speaking from experience today, like myself and Brianna, we're both, we're both in sales, which is kind of like an alpha, alpha role. And I often find myself like, although I'm not, thankfully, I've kind of been able to get through the, you know, where I was in like the depths of, you know, depression and anxiety. And I, I'm definitely in a much happier, stable place because I continually work on myself. But, you know, I still suffer from, you know, things like imposter syndrome, anxiety in certain situations. And it's almost in the environment, you know, being upfront about that, I, I, I would find it very hard to do that. You know what I mean? Like in the current setup and situation where the reality is like all of the other reps are going through something similar. But it's just that scenario and situation where I almost feel like back to square one where like I would never be vulnerable about not thinking I'm good enough for this position and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's something that, you know, you constantly have to work on and you constantly have to break through that barrier and the next barrier, next barrier. Just be vulnerable because it does. There's just there's just so much value in it that people don't realize until they actually do open up. Kelly, so, you know, obviously you've gone kind of gone through the struggle you've gone through that experience in the past. What did therapy teach you? What did you kind of learn from therapy and how did you learn to cope differently with that experience from in the past to now? Yeah, so there's um, three main things that I kind of feel that really helped me with going to therapy. Um, the first one was that I actually mentioned his name to somebody like I had, I had avoided talking about him for so long. Um, so I actually start talking about him um, to this person who knew nothing about me. And, and the fact that 
she knew nothing about me. I felt like I wasn't being judged, if that makes sense. So I really unloaded everything and, and stuff came up that like, you know, had nothing to do with him, but I had suffered as consequence for holding everything in since then. Like I realized that um, I'm one of six, I'm the eldest and anything that went wrong with my siblings growing up, you know, stupid things and then more serious things and stuff I always came back and I always bet myself up and, and said I should have been able to protect them I should have been able to stop them from doing xyz I always blamed myself when when you know they got in trouble and and she was like Kelly you you're not responsible for anybody's actions but your own so um so just being able to speak about him uh, and understand that it wasn't my fault um you know, he had his own stuff to deal with um, and it wasn't my fault and, and I can't, you know, continue to blame myself. Um, and I suppose that I was I was good enough. So from then on, I relaxed a little bit in terms of sport and in terms of trying to be the best at everything. Um, I still loved competing. I still loved doing um, or trying to be as best as I could. But I mean, I wasn't going into the cage being like, I'd rather die than lose this this fight, you know? I kind of got a better perspective. A bit healthier. On, on life. <laughs> a bit healthier, yeah. For you and but, the uh, opponent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the, other thing, the other thing that really stood out to me was that I only realized by talking to her that I actually was having um, anxiety attacks for the previous couple of years. So I explained to her how sometimes I would be driving in my car. It was a great day. It was coming home from work and I would just feel like I was in a dream. I felt like I was in a haze. My kind of, I, like a kind of hangover kind of feeling. And my heart would race and I, I'd describe all of these things. I would start sweating and I would start to get so worried about nothing, absolutely nothing. And I explained this to her and she was like, "That that's an anxiety attack. And I was like, oh my God, I've been having anxiety attacks for the last two or three years and I didn't even know what they were. So being able to actually just put a name on that and say, you know, I'm not going crazy uh, mm. was another thing that I that I took away from therapy. And, and I, haven't, I haven't had one of those in so long, but the main thing was, the, the, the overall thing was that I opened up, like I, I sat down and I had a chat with Mo about, you know, what I experienced and like she she knew what had happened but I never talked about him to her I'd never talked about how it affected me and and I was only realizing I suppose when I went through therapy how it was affecting me before that I didn't even know I was I was so competitive I didn't know why I wanted to be the best at everything um but when I started to realize why um I could start fixing that then so I, I started to realize okay I was doing that because I didn't feel good enough so let's start to feel you can't just say to yourself feel good enough but like chat to people and, and by chatting to them they'll say of course like it's not your fault of course um you know you're good enough <laughs> and that's really it I suppose just being vulnerable with other people I started to do that from the moment of going to therapy and right up till now and sometimes I'm like well, I was probably like would you ever stop crying and stuff because I'm can be so emotional sometimes Alexis, Alexis says that to me too uh, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not even joking <laughs> yeah like up until that point that I went to therapy like I probably could tell you the amount of times I cried in front of anybody on one hand like mm. that is crazy yeah so yeah just on the crying part i i i'm just a crier i, I like but i uh, the thing is 
I, I don't cry from sadness anymore. I cry from joy all the time. And I know that sounds so weird, but I really do. I'd like, yeah, it's, and it does. <laughs> Alexa doesn't tell me to stop crying. She loves it, but she does get a little bit weirded out when I come out of the board. I'm like, I just love life. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've done that. Anyways, um, that's, so this whole anxiety uh, situation is crazy to me that you didn't realize that you're having these anxiety attacks, but it's it's interesting because up until the point where I was had when I was like 23, 24, and I would say I had an anxiety attack that was just a complete panic attack where I literally thought I was dying. Like there was there was it was incredibly scary and traumatic. I was like on the verge of calling an ambulance because I thought I was having a heart attack. But when I look back at my life when I was a kid, I remember being as young as like I would say 10 years of age, you know, looking back. And then when I was being bullied, I without question had anxiety attacks going through that period, but I didn't know what they were. Like, it's so, I didn't know what I was going through. It was only up until that final point where I thought, wow, I'm having a heart attack and I'm going to die that I then started to get help and speak about it and realize, wow, okay, this is what anxiety is. I find that so, so interesting that, you were also able to go through and go through life and, and get to the point, like, thank God you actually went to therapy and actually realized what, what it actually was. And I suppose I'm curious, how do you, how do you kind of manage your anxiety today? Do you have any kind of habits or routines to, I suppose, be aware of it and then mitigate that if you do start to feel those feelings? Yeah, so uh, first of all, just before I kind of go through what helps me, um, I think it's crazy the fact that I didn't know I was experiencing anxiety attacks because I never spoke about it. Like if I had just said to somebody, like, what the hell's going on? I'm feeling this, this and this. They probably would have been able to tell me what it was, but I was just so proud that I didn't didn't even tell people that that was happening to me. So there's just another example of like how you can be just so stubborn and just you know, not one to open up to people. Um, but I'm lucky in that I haven't had an anxiety attack in I, since I've I uh, started going to um, a therapist uh, and speaking to somebody. But I think that's because I actually do stuff now to prevent it, if that makes sense. Instead of treating the problem, I actually treat the root cause. So every single day um, I get outside like a uh, minimum half an hour. Na- I put this on my Instagram the whole time. People probably think I'm some sort of hippie, but nature is my healer. Like it's my biggest healer being outdoors. Um, also having uh, different daily routines. Like, um, so I work from home now and I'm online all of the time. So I have to see one other person other than Mo every single day um, because I was getting to a point um, where I was just working at home, you know, lockdown and stuff. Um, and I wasn't seeing anybody else. So I really, really feel communication is, is a massive um, thing to make sure you're, even if it's only, you know, obviously if, if, if it was during lockdown, if it was only like a video chat or even a phone call, just talking to somebody, not just being on your own all the time. But another big thing for me is uh, food. So like I only re-educated around nutrition um, when I was teaching, so maybe about four years ago-ish. And up until then, I mean, I was healthy, I was I was active and stuff, but I never really knew how important fuel in your body was for your mind. Like, I really believe if you put shit into your body, you'll feel like shit. 
if you feel your body well, you will feel well. But uh, exercise and nutrition are two things that I just have to keep on top of if if I want to keep on top of my mental health. And the last one um, is education. So I started to listen to podcasts. I started reading books and I was just like, everything like I, I just it just like my mind opened and there's like a new world and I was like why was I living such a restrictive lifestyle I was one of those people who if I believed in x that was my that was it there was nothing else outside of that if you came at me and tried to tell me that that was wrong no you're wrong but now I'm like I don't care what anyone's beliefs are and I'll listen to anyone and I'll see their point of, of view but um Yes, like holding on to certain beliefs so tight um, can cause a lot of problems. So I'm just like going with the flow with life, enjoying life. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm at a really happy point, thank God. But I do know that like, you know, your mental health is like, I said this um, to Kev before, your mental health is like cleaning your bedroom. You can't just clean it once and expect it to stay clean forever. You have to keep chipping away at it every day. Um, so, yeah, so if I was just to sum it up, it would be getting outdoors for exercise, eating good food, um, listening to podcasts, reading books and staying connected with people. Fire. Love it. Great advice. <laughs> I think it's critical. It's it's often overlooked like, oh, yeah, nutrition. OK, cut out sugar. Yeah, yeah. But it's so impactful. I could not agree more. The, the time when I go and eat dairy, when I know it's bad for me, I wake up the next day. I'm like, fuck's sake. Why did I do that? Because you're just in pain. And when you're in pain, you're going to be more anxious. You're going to be more stressed and more than likely more, more depressed as well. So could not agree more with you on that. Yeah, I really, uh, I really do believe that nutrition has a massive impact on us. And a lot of people, they don't entertain that thought. And I saw this photo um a while ago um, online and it was like a photo like it's so stupid but it really hits home it was a photograph of somebody pouring a bottle of coke on a plant and they're like would you mm -hmm. do this and it's like no the plant would die and they're like why are you doing it yourself do you know what I mean like something wow. simple like yeah. that yeah could not could not agree more I'm going to derail us away from the healthy eating and the <laughs> physical health <laughs> I mean that's really great I love it um, I want to talk about Mo and, you know, you began the segment talking about your boyfriend committing suicide, but now you're married to a woman. And what was that transition like? And how has it been being Irish and being queer? I'm definitely projecting my own thoughts onto that community and feeling like it's not the most inclusive community in large being predominantly Catholic uh, and Protestant right uh, so would love to kind of know how how that's been for you yeah so um growing up I had you know as I was saying a short-term boyfriend then um, that boyfriend and then I actually um, went out with a guy for a year after that growing up I was all always attracted to both sexes, I suppose. Um, and then I was with, uh, I was going out with a girl for a couple of months before I met Mo. And that was my first actual girlfriend. And I, it just kind of felt right, if that makes sense. And then when I met Mo, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is the one, this is the lifer. Like, so I knew straight away, but I suppose how, how, how it was received by my family and friends was so like I can't even tell you how how amazing they are so like I know in Ireland Catholic and stuff and, and I know males and females um 
who are gay that have had rough times coming out to their family and friends but my my parents and my family are just just so amazing I, I remember how I told my my mom I, I asked her to pick me up right so I was like okay if she's driving she'll have to concentrate so like she can't like look at me and stuff so so let's go for that so I was like my car is broke or something can you pick me up so she picked me up and we were driving home and I was like I have something to tell you and she's like okay and I was like and I was just sitting there and she's like Kelly tell me and I couldn't say it and um I was like, yeah, I'm gay. I'm like going out with a girl or something. And she's like, Jesus Christ, Kelly, I thought you were going to tell me you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she was like, so what? what's, like, what's the big deal? She is just, I mean, she's the most amazing person ever. And actually just, just popped into my head. So we drove back to my mom's house and um, I was out in college. So my room was given away at one of six. If you're out, your room's gone. So I was put up into the attic and there was a really like um, a really bad stairs going up to the attic. It was like a ladder, actually. And my granny had never, ever in her life once climbed up the ladder. And I was upstairs and um, I said to my mom, you're going to have to tell dad and you're going to have to tell my granny because I'm not telling them. And I heard my granny and she's like, Kelly. And I was like, yeah. And I knew my mom had just, <laughs> she's so posh. <laughs> um, and I knew my mom had just told her and I was like, yeah. And she was like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, um, no, I'll, I'll be down later. So she climbed up this stairs for the first time in her life. And she just came up and gave me a hug. And she was like, oh. like this makes no difference. Oh. Yeah. So my oh. family literally couldn't have I mean I it's the dream I've had not one bit of negativity and, and that's honest to God not one bit of negativity um yeah so I'm just lucky I suppose I mean I am over here filled with lots of jealousy and hatred towards you right now <laughs> because that is not my story but no I I think I'm so happy for you, actually, uh, is what I mean to say, because we, especially in the community, we need to hear that, hey, not every family is going to cast you out and not every family is, you know, going to look at you in a certain way out when you come to your truth. So I'm really happy that you have that story and that's been your experience. Yeah, I'm so lucky. But as I said, I do know that, like, I am just one of the lucky ones and there is so many people out there um who are you know don't don't have such uh, good stories and actually so many people out there who are in the position now where they're you know trying to fight uh, their sexuality maybe and they're trying to tell themselves that this isn't the case for fear of rejection and um, so what i would say to those people is if it's not your mother or father you can talk to i would just say talk to somebody um because I remember I, I told all my friends first because I knew like my friends were all kind of uh, like minded, you know, we got on so well and I knew my friends wouldn't care, you know. Um, so I told them all first and even telling them it was like made it real. It was like, yeah, this is this is OK. It's not just all in my head. So if you can't talk to, to family um, just yet, say talk to somebody, say it to somebody. Well, Kelly. I want to ask you a, a couple of a couple of shorter questions, uh, given that we're we're coming up on the hour. And first of all, like thank you. This was incredible. Like it really was. Like I had the hair standing up on the back of my neck for for most of this. And you can you always know it's a good episode and a good conversation when that's happening. So thanks for your vulnerability. I suppose curious if you have any you know 
particular resources like books, podcasts um, that sort of helped you along the way just to understand what was going on and then to to kind of improve your your mental state? Any any thoughts or recommendations around that? Yeah, so the one book that I read that kind of changed my life and I'd recommend everybody go read it is called Lost Connections by Johan Harry. Um, So I read... Yeah, I read that book and it, it everything in it just made sense. Like um, it, he, the, the author, he's English, I think, he personally suffered uh, or battled through depression for most of his life until he started realising that these things like nature, like connection with other people is what he was missing. Like he was on um, antidepressants for, I don't, I don't know how long, but it was like, I'm talking 10, 15 years. And he was like, they, they never... So they never sorted out the problem because, you know, I was just trying to trying to control symptoms and I never really got to the root problem of why I was feeling like this. Um, and he just the whole book is like about living a life of full of meaning um, and like, you know, I, I do appreciate that everyone has to work, everyone has to make money to put food on the table. But like if you're really, really unhappy in your job or you're really, really unhappy in a relationship, there is always another option. Like if it means, you know, getting a new job, you know, with the same kind of career, um, but you're surrounded by better people, go for it. Like you have to, you have to kind of, you have to put steps in place to, to, progress in areas that you're struggling in if that makes sense you can't just sit there and be like my life is terrible in this area I'm just going to sit here and bitch and moan about it you have to start doing stuff about it and so that book definitely uh, I would definitely recommend it definitely helped me anyway what advice would you give to somebody somebody going through a similar situation to you any any thoughts on that yeah, so the first step is if you were like me, um, go speak to somebody because you will realize that um, what happened or the situation that you're going through isn't your fault. Um, anybody else's actions, it's it's on them if that makes sense. Um, you know, people react to certain um, situations differently, but you can't control that and if it's something that you don't want to happen, like let's say somebody doing something and you're like, you know, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't want that to happen. Well, it's it's nothing really got to do with you. You can't control anybody else. So first step is just going to talk to someone. I'm not saying therapist, you know, and um, for me, I, I was just lucky that my mom asked me to go and she set it up and stuff. But I think that if I had been more open with even my family, with even Mo, I wouldn't have been in such a, a bad uh, place mentally. Like, and as I said, people from the outside looking in at me would have said I had the perfect life, but I was really, really struggling inside. And I was literally down to a lack of, of vulnerability uh, opening up. Um, other, other than that, just create creating daily habits that you know will make you feel better. So like, I mentioned this as well on on the other podcast we did, like in the morning, I really believe that if you set up your morning well, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Your morning, the morning is the most important part of the day um, and to make sure that you get that right. And if that means getting up half an hour earlier, just to be less stressed, like everyone 
these days are so busy with work, like they snooze the alarm, they get up, they're already late, they're already trying to catch up on themselves, they're already stressed about thinking about, I'm going to be late for this meeting, what do I need to do, am I going to have enough time, so if it's even getting up half an hour early, just to sit there and be like, okay, what do I need to do today, have it in your head, have a cup of coffee, and then start your day in, in a more positive way. Yeah, and go listen to the morning routine episode of the Be Human podcast. <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> Bree, do you want to wrap things up with our final question that we ask of all our guests? Of course. We ask all our guests, and Kelly, we wouldn't want to leave you out. What does it mean for you to be human? So I kind of touched on it a little bit there when I recommended that book. But to be honest, I think the meaning of being human is being able to live a life full of meaning. We are like I'm obsessed with evolutionary biology and I studied a little bit of it in college, but we are the most advanced animal (laughs) on the planet and all other animals. Right. Their objective is to survive. All they, all they do is the minute they're born is I need to survive in this lifetime. And we are so lucky that we're in a position now that we don't only have to survive, we actually get to thrive. So, you know, back in the olden days, hunter-gatherers, they're looking over their shoulder, you know, in fear of being killed by some wild animal. Now we get to thrive. And, and I don't mean that in terms of having the best job, having the newest iPhone, having the most expensive car. That's not what I mean when, when I say live a life full of meaning. What I mean by live a life full of meaning is celebrate the small stuff, express gratitude, be happy for what you have. Make sure you're spending time with your family and your loved ones and you're making them a priority. Um, so many people can uh, overlook how important their family uh, and friends are and, and borderline take advantage of them. Um, so, yeah, I suppose live a life full of meaning and um, enjoy enjoy the process. Life is a process. It's not like I, I always hear and I always laugh at people when I retire, I'm going to do this, this and this. I'm like, you're waiting until you're in your worst health to start living your life. That is insane. Like life is a process and in the grand scheme of things, life is so, so short. We're not gonna be lying on our deathbeds thinking, I wish I drove a Porsche. I wish I, wish I lived in a mansion. We're gonna be lying there remembering times of meaning and connection and love. So yeah, um, living a life full of meaning. It doesn't have to be drastic. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. That was so awesome. thank you so much for sharing. Kelly. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> what what a way to finish. Bloody hell. I feel like this episode honestly is I've gotten so much out of it personally. I just uh, I've been blown away by it. Your vulnerability, but your ability to speak about life. Just fin- those those closing remarks honestly so impactful and I think I think we can all get caught up in the rat race at times, myself included and just reminding i like just reminding myself i love that line like you're not gonna lie on your death deathbed and wish i, I was you were driving a ferrari that's not what you're gonna wish for so incredibly impactful people can find you on instagram on kelly Fen, fennel fitness so i'll let you i'll let you t- tell people where you can, you're, you're gonna be able to spell it better than i can so maybe if you want to people tell people where they can find you yeah, I was actually on the radio, national radio recently um, in Ireland, and she was like, spell your name because everyone's got to get it wrong. So it's K-E-L-L-I-E, um, Fennel, F-E-N-N-E-L-L Fitness, and that's on Facebook, Instagram, website, 
And I also have a podcast called The Kelly Fennel Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, for everybody listening, this is an episode that I know will impact a lot of people. So please share with uh, other people that you think they, they will, that will get something from this. And make sure to subscribe to Kelly and, and listen to her podcast as well. I mean, you got a flavor of, of what she's about today. And I, I, I know it's going to have an impact on a lot of people. So please share the episode. And also, please remember to subscribe to Be Human. We'd really appreciate it. And tune in next week.